It was my first time returning to Portland since the trade and my first game playing in Portland in front of so many fans. It was a special, special moment in which I remember forever. I knew it would be exciting. I knew I would be happy. I knew the fans would be happy. But I wasn't sure that I would get that long of a standing ovation. I wasn't sure that I would have those types of emotions. Welcoming a very special guest, Jose Alvarado. Like this is when I know God is real for me. How can I end up in the right situation at the right time, in the right city? Like I feel like New Orleans is just me, like that's in me. Like I can relate to the city, you know, gritty. They fight mother nature like a tornado coming. Always getting knocked down, but they always come back up. I just feel like that's how my life has always been. This game brings a lot of emotions to a lot of people because when you love something so much, you know, sometimes it don't always go right. I think it was around my junior and senior year, it's so many people who's good at this game. Like, Jose, what makes you different from everybody else? I was just like, man, I got, I got a daughter. I got a family that I got to feed. Like, is this basketball thing really for me? Welcome to the 134th episode of Pull Up That's Right, 134 episodes. I recorded this episode on Thursday, March 31st. It's actually Friday, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Also, the day we're going to be playing the Lakers for a very pivotal game that could decide both our fates. On this date, April 1st in 1973, Boston's John Havlicek connected on 24 field goals, an NBA playoff record he shares with Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan as the Celtics defeated Atlanta in Boston 134-109 to in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Havlicek finished the game with 54 points. That is incredible. Obviously, I'm in New Orleans now as a Pelican. I've played 20 games to date. Today will be 21. But Game 20 was a game unlike any I have ever experienced. It was my first time returning to Portland since the trade and my first game playing in Portland in front of so many fans, people, friends, business partners. Um, it was a special, special time, a special, special moment in which I remember forever. I want to discuss the emotions that kind of went into this game. I wasn't sure what to expect, honestly. I wasn't sure what it would feel like, what it would be like. I knew it would be exciting. I knew I would be happy. I knew the fans would be happy. But I wasn't sure that I would get that long of a standing ovation. I wasn't sure that I would have those types of emotions, the physical toll that it takes on you, the the mental and emotional toll that it takes on you to kind of go through you know, getting ready to play a game against a lot of friends um, that you've kind of made, coaching staff, um, players, going through the visitor's locker room. All those things were different. And I think I spoke on how weird it was um, to have shoot-around at the Moda Center. I've actually never had shoot-around at the Moda Center before because we always have shoot-around at the practice facility, similar to what most teams do that have practice facilities. You don't go all the way to the arena. So that was extremely weird. I stayed at the Nines Hotel um, after shoot-around for my pregame nap. I got some treatment and uh, stuff like that uh, and in the actual hotel. And I had told the bellman, obviously I go to you know the Nines Hotel a lot, and I had gone to the Nines Hotel a lot because they have Departure, which is a restaurant on the top floor, and they have Urban Farmer, which is another restaurant on the fifth floor. And I told them I haven't been here since we had the snowstorm. My power went out. And my wife and I took our dog and we stayed at the Nines Hotel for a week and a half because we didn't have power. That was the last time I actually stayed at the Nines Hotel, which was crazy. But rewinding a little bit, it was really cool to you know fly in with the team. Our team went directly to the Nike store. There was two buses. There was a bus that went to the Nike employee store for them to get some items. And there was a bus that went to the hotel. I actually had a car waiting for me and I went home. And it was the first time I had been home uh, since All-Star break. 
And it was just really cool to be able to walk in the house, you know, see my dog for the first time in 50 days. She was super excited. Shout out to my girl, Fiona. She was very happy to see me. I took her on a nice walk. Uh, we put little man Jacoby in a little stroller and we pushed him on a, you know, like a one and a half, two mile walk um, around the neighborhood. And we were running into people on walks and they were like, it's so cool to see you here. And I can't wait to go to the game tomorrow. And I'm just really excited and thankful for everything you've done for the community and stuff. So then that's when I kind of realized like, this is kind of a big deal. It's probably going to be more of a bigger deal than I thought, if that's even a complete sentence. And my wife, when we got back, she was like, if people are beeping the horn at us while we're walking and stuff, she was like, it's going to be crazy tomorrow. I was like, you think so? She was like, yeah. Like, people were stopping us on a walk. Imagine, like, in the actual arena when they're, like, literally fans, like, real fans who, like, wear jerseys and come to the game. And she was right. There was thousands of people there, obviously, but thousands of people wearing, you know, the number three blazer jersey, which was wild to see. And... It was just really cool to get to the arena. You know, I get to see Amara. I get to see, you know, the Trailblazer media group. I see Bruce. I see Justin um, right away. And they're kind of recording me walking in, similar to how they did when I played. And then I was actually getting dressed to get ready to go shoot. And Anthony walks by the locker room. And I stop him and we talk for a little bit. And I joke, I jokingly tell him that um, I know he's got his deal in place for next season. So it's, it's good that he's getting his rest so he can be fresh for next year. And we kind of joked about it. And then uh, he told me to go to work and the rest is history. But my guy, Ty, came into the locker room, Ty Forcier, uh, the head athletic trainer for the Portland Trailblazers, the head strength trainer for the Portland Trailblazers, excuse me. And we just talked about old times and he joked, I, I knew where to find you. I looked at, the, looked at the clock and seen what time it was. And this is your table time. I'm glad you kept the same table time. So that was cool. And Miss Sherry came out. I got to see heaven. I got to see all of our staff um, before I went onto the court. And shout out to Miss Sherry for making everything so easy for my family in terms of tickets, in terms of parking, in terms of uh, having an area to meet, you know, all my people after the game. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And you know, we kind of went through that. I shot, I texted Dane because he was wondering what time I was going to work out. And I was like, yo, I get there early, whatever, whatever. And I told him that I shoot at 5.15, but I forgot that it's actually 5.30. So he was out there waiting. And he's like, bro, you're late for your shooting time. And I was like, bro, my fault. I told you the wrong time. It's actually 5.30. And we talked for a little bit, um, chopped it up. And I was like, I'll come holler at you um, after I shoot. Super weird shooting, you know, in the, in the motor center with Pelicans gear on at the opposite side, like seeing like all the staff, the cheerleaders. Um, it just brought back so many memories of early parts of my career. When I would get to the arena so early, the cheerleaders wouldn't have even started their their, their workouts yet, and their warm-ups yet. And they were out there and a couple of cheerleaders were like, hey, we miss you, CJ. And the, and the stunt guys were like, yeah, man, I hope everything's going well. So that was cool. Two of the team attendants, shout out to my guy, James. He wore one of my shoes, the Rose City versions of a shoe I released three years ago. He actually wore it. He brought a picture. I signed his picture. I signed some jerseys for a lot of staff. Shout out to my guy, Eric Hallman, the head equipment manager. He got a bunch of Blazer jerseys for me that I could pass and distribute. Um, shout out to my guy, Big Shot, the Pelicans uh, equipment manager. He got a bunch of Pelicans jerseys that I could bring to distribute to some of my friends and family. Obviously, I ran out, so I have to order some more. But everybody was very accommodating, made my life easier. The kitchen um, at the Motor Center, they made me a chicken sandwich um, and a salad with ranch. I used to order that before games, and they gifted me that, which was really cool. Our staff was like, what? <laughs> they really loved you, huh? And I was like, yeah, we, you know, we, had a, we had a great relationship, you know, to basically do, doing college twice over, you know, nine years of relationships and memories and stuff like that. So it was just really cool. 
I went into the locker room. Well, I went into the training room to holler at Jeff Clark, the head uh, athletic trainer. He's in charge of everything now over there. Holler at some of the players, Nas, Dame, Joe Ingles, Lady Jess, Charles. I got to holler at everybody and kind of talk. I tried to poach a couple of the players, told them about how nice New Orleans is and how the food is amazing and how it's 80 degrees right now. And I know it gets to like 100 and 110, but who cares? Because it's better to have sunshine and to be hot than to just be cold all the time. So I'm thankful for that. And also have air conditioning and my dog will appreciate the walks. But I was just, you know, telling them how much I love it there and Hollered at Josh for a little bit, told him he's always welcome back in New Orleans as well. Um, and just kind of went through that, and then I got ready for the game. And I think it's funny, players are taking over-unders on how many points I was going to score against them. From what I heard, word on the street is that the over-under was 33, so I, I hit the under uh, with my four missed free throws. And got off to a great start, thought for sure it was going to be a 50-point 50, 50, 50 night. And Chauncey went to the zone defense right away. But before I talk about the actual game, the standing ovation that I got during intros was was crazy. I was like 90 seconds or, or longer. It kept going. It, a joke, it was like the national anthem when it kind of dragged out the ending. That's what it was like, but only everyone was cheering, you know, in waves, and it was super dope. It was emotional. I didn't cry, obviously, but it was emotional. I could see my teammates, you know, how excited they got. I could see our staff. And afterwards... Rewinding a little bit, it's really, really ironic the timing of when we went out, went out to go to the court because Jody was was coming coming into the arena, and I actually got to see Jody and say what's up to her and thank her for everything she's done for me and my family. I got to see Joe Cronin. I got to see so many people that played a role in my career, my development, but also helping orchestrate you know the trades in New Orleans. So I was thankful to be able to catch up with them right before the game. It was it was super funny that the timing just kind of worked out. It was like fate and. Played the game. Obviously, the game went well. We won. Had some turnovers. I got tired. I was exhausted physically, mentally, and emotionally drained. I had a small meet and greet post game with uh, Lehigh alums that came out, so I did that. And then they held a room for me for my friends and family. And I was able to go take pictures with my wife, my mom, a lot of my friends, my cousins. Dame's mom was back there. Some of Dame's cousins. A lot of people that you know are important not only to me but uh, in my progress and my development. So I was really, really happy to be able to do that. A couple of my neighbors actually came out. I got them tickets. So I was able to to hang out with them and, and they were able to share that moment with me. But it was just a really special time, something I'm forever grateful and thankful for. I don't think the words can really describe the emotions that I felt throughout and how well they did um, in terms of welcoming me back. It, it really was special. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And some of the, the comments and, and things that I was getting from our teammates was that damn, they really love you, CJ. And I was like, yeah, it's mutual. And I'm thankful and I'm appreciative. And a couple of our, our coaches said that they had never heard an ovation like that before. And it kind of gave them chills and it made them emotional. So they could only imagine how I felt. And I was like, yeah, uh, it was hard for me. Honestly, it was very hard. And I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to play and you know play well and help our team win and take one step closer to our goal of making the playoffs. But I know we have a guest that's going to be coming on. So I'll talk more about you know my return to Portland a little bit later. But I'm thankful for it. I'm appreciative of it. And, and, and now I've turned the page and I'm glad I was able to kind of get that closure. I'm glad they were able to have that closure. And now we can move forward. But shortly, we're going to be welcoming a very special guest, Jose Alvarado. So stay tuned to The Pool of Pod. Being joined by special guest Jose Alvarado. Jose, um, we're going to use this time to kind of get to know each other. Obviously, I've been with the Pelicans, what? 
20 games so that's like nine weeks yeah. i think nine weeks so we're still getting to know each other get more familiar with each other and from what you told me this is your first ever podcast yeah this first one but it's a good one i'm on a, i could say my first one was with cj mccullough <laughs> <laughs> no that's dope so we're going to get right into it for those that don't know jose alvarado Bio time. Jose Alvarado hails from Brooklyn, New York. He played at Christ the King. Ended up going to Georgia Tech. So you left New York to go to Georgia Tech. Yep. ACC Defensive Player of the Year in 2021. Second team all ACC in 2021. Third team all ACC in 2020. Decided not to go back to school, even though you had to play your senior year during COVID protocols. Declare for the draft. Go undrafted. Signed a two-way with the Pelicans. And our, I think it's a Birmingham, Alabama um, G League team. Yep. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. <laughs> you go from undrafted to four years, $6.5 million, which you just signed, you know, about, about a week ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, congratulations on that new deal. Take me back to Christ the King. You started playing basketball, obviously, well before that. But talk about your high school experience, your upbringing, and obviously now you're being in the NBA. Man, yeah. Uh, high school was definitely fun. I think uh, at the time, and it still is, uh, it's one of the best high schools for basketball, just for for, for general, like for anybody. And when I started, you know, I wanted to play varsity. I never wanted to play freshman year, freshman. When I was a freshman, you know, everybody wanted to be bigger than what they was. And they kept on saying, Jose, you're not going to play varsity. You might as well just play freshman. So I was fine with it. Started playing freshman year. You know, as the time's going on, I'm enjoying it. It's like, this is what I really want to do. And we had a chance to win the... Uh, the freshman year championship. And um as I said, we going on with it. So uh semifinal, I said I need to win this I need to win this so bad. My population as a player out there wasn't as high as other people was. So the kid that I was playing against, it was. He was. He was, you know, he's my one of my closest friends now, Isaiah Washington, Jelly Fam. Jelly Fam. Jelly Fam out there. So, you know, I always had, you know, the little Jelly Fam crew. Those are my peoples, but I always had something on them. I was like, man, they always got the, all these you know, everybody looking at them like that. And I don't got know nobody looking at me like that, but it was all cool. But when I when we had them in the championship game, I had three of them. Three of them on the same team. They was all went to that same high school. I'm like, I gotta beat these teams. I gotta beat this team. And when I did, it was like one of the best feelings. And ever since then it ran I ran away with what I got what I was good at. You know, being an energy guy, playing defense. And you know, as it went on in Christ King, I met really good players, really good talent, played with really good talent, played with a guy named Raleigh Alkins my sophomore year, went to varsity, and I got my first big time offer. They was looking at him, Indiana University, and then I had my big time game, one of them, and they offered me, and ever since then it was like, all right, I could do this. It's crazy. So you played freshman as a freshman. You go to the historic, historic school of Christ the King. I've heard a lot about it. I obviously watched Sebastian Telfair. You know, <laughs> you know that that era. That that was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, Delight is on his time to perform. I used to say that before my games. You get to varsity. You begin to play well. You get a scholarship from Indiana. How did you decide to go to Georgia Tech? You know, it was really my parents. Like honestly, um, you know, I really, really wanted to stay home. I really was a big, big family guy. Like I wanted to stay. I was either going to St. John's or Seton Hall, or or um, Rutgers, one of those three. And I really was. My mind was set on it. Funny story, actually. I told my dad and mom, I'm committed to Rutgers. I wanted to commit to Rutgers under the table. I told them I'm staying here, at Rutgers. I want to stay home, but let me take my visits. My mom and dad came into the visit with me to Georgia Tech. Um, it was like maybe a two day, two day afternoon, middle of the day. We went to Atlanta. They 
you know, went out to my official visit and they loved it. They just loved the atmosphere. They loved the school. They loved everything about it. So I was cool with it, but I really wanted to stay home. But my dad took me to the side and said, son, I need you to get out of New York. I need, I need you to do something. Everyone stays here. I need you to get out of here. And little do I know, Georgia Tech got history with guards. Didn't know that either until I finally got there and started really hooping for them. And then I fell in love with the school. And then thank God I did it because it was the best four years of my life. No, it's good. Sometimes it's nice to get away from home. It's it's not comforting. Obviously, it's a step outside the comfort zone. It's different and unique to what we've been through. But I actually, I went to school, you know, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is a six and a half hour drive. And it's funny. I always wanted to get away from Ohio because it's all I ever seen. It was all I ever seen. And I just felt like being able to experience something new would be beneficial. And it's cool to see that that's how it turned out for you. We joked in the locker room about Georgia Tech, what it was like before you got there and what it was like when you left. Can you talk about you know, the sponsors that you guys had, the level of play that you guys were at in terms of um, wins and losses. I know you guys were under sanction for a little bit, so you couldn't go to the tournament, but how you finished your senior year. You know, when I first got there, you know, I was like, man, I don't want to go here, man. We sponsored by Russell. Ah, this is not my type of swag, you know. But they said, listen, we're going to go We're gonna go Nike or Adidas, one of those two, one after my freshman year. So I was okay with it. And at the time, go Russell wasn't that bad, you know. Actually, the jerseys, but then I went to, and you could wear Nike, you could wear whatever you want off the court, so it was pretty cool. But then, um, you know, as the time went, play, um, I went there playing Russell. We wasn't as as on the top leaderboard, but we also wasn't ACC. ACC was a tough conference, you know. They got all big time blue um blue collar schools, so it was big time. I, I was kind I was waiting to go against them. North Carolina, Duke, Miami, Louisville. I was waiting to get go really get get across them because you know we was the underdogs, and I just can't. I couldn't wait to get that. So as the time went on, you know we finally we we switched to Adidas. Well, it was cool. But first two years was a struggle. We was probably there's 15 teams in there. We was probably 15 or maybe 13 in that in that bottom tier. And um, as you know, as I was like, I hate losing. Like this, we gotta change something. You know, we started figuring out. I got comfortable with it. You know, first two years I was just figuring out. I had little injuries here and there. And junior year, it was a big, big step. Um, I figured out that I was, I got blessed with something in my life. Like I knew I was having a kid, and I was just I got locked in on something. And um, and now ever since then, I just took a big step, and I I just wanted to be the best version of myself ever since then. That's awesome. You talked about having a kid. Um, you have a daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. How old is your daughter now? She's two. I have a son who's who's twelve weeks. Twelve weeks as of Wednesday, and I think it, it gives you a sense of purpose, a sense of peace, and I think that's the the best the best thing that life has to offer for me personally. That's what I felt. How have you changed? You know, since having your daughter in terms of maturity, in terms of personality, obviously your game. You talked about the locking in and the focus. How have you changed as a man since having your daughter? I think that's the reason why I'm here. Like, I don't think I know. You know, I had a lot of things in my life that I had to go through, struggle, and like personal really, with my grandma. You know, that was, we could get to that whenever we can. But when I had her, it made me a better person on and off the court. Like, when I didn't have her, you know, I love basketball. Don't get it twisted. I love it. But like, she made me focus on what, not the bad things. Like, you know, when you have a bad game or like you just worry about shooting bad. And I, after the game, I was so focused, like, why did it do that? I knew after the day, I get to see her. So she took my mind off the game that I didn't need to have my mind on it. So it's like, 
all right, I had a bad day. Let me see what it is. But guess what? I get to go hug my daughter or I get to go see her. And, you know, next game I could do better for her. So that's what made me realize, like, man, like, this is just bigger than what it is. And she just, every time I had a bad game or whatever good game, I knew at the end of the day I get to see her. So it was just like, let me try to be the best version of myself on and off the court. Yeah, I feel the same way now. It's it's the best feeling in the world coming home, you know, to your to your child and seeing the smile that they have on their face. They have no idea whether you're having a bad day or a good day. They just love you, yeah. you know, no matter what. And that warmth, that love is unlike anything that you can kind of compare to. No. Nothing nothing compares. For sure. I want to go back to Christ the King for a second. You talked about your mother, your father being a huge influence. Um, your your grandmother passed away in 2016 mm-hmm. from stomach cancer. Yeah. Talk about the impact she had on your life in terms of your development, in terms of, you know, how, how it kind of shaped you into the person you are today? Oh, man. Um, so my parents were young parents, great parents. doesn't mean they were just young. So I was with her like a lot of my life. And she only knew the baseball. She used to call me her little Derek Jeter. Like that's what, that, was her, that was me. Like she just loved Derek Jeter. She loved the Yankees and stuff like that. So she always thought I was going to be a baseball player. So as the time went on in my life, you know, um, I was young. I didn't really know I was out and stuff like that. And it was hiding it. They was hiding it that my grandma was sick. Mm-hmm. But I, I realized she, she used to live in Brooklyn and I used to go to go back and forth where I used to live in Brooklyn too. She lived like five minutes away from me, but then she had to go to Pennsylvania for better treatment. At the time, I didn't know. She just wanted to move out there. So as I time, as I'm growing up and I realized that in high school, my grandma, like, my mom is sad. My grandma, like, I don't really see her a lot. And when I do, it's like, I know I, I can feel something different. So finally, my grandma got really sick one bad, and we had to go all go. And no one's telling me nothing. I just got tired of it. We in the hospital, and my grandma, and I told the doctor, like, what's going on with my grandma? Like, my mama, like, seriously yelling at him, like, not being rude, but, like, just want to figure out what's going on in front of everybody. My mom, he looks at my mom, and my mom said it's okay. And she told, and they told me, like, she got cancer. First thing is that I think of obviously the worst. I'm young. I don't know what, how long I got with my grandma. And that was just like the worst answer I could ever, ever hear from anybody. Um, they told me I was, I only had like a week and a half where, and it was just the worst pain in my stomach ever. Like, they didn't know how I could process it to this day. Even to this day, you know, it's still a little hard, but that day was just like the hardest day of my life. And, I told my mom, I told my mom, I am not leaving her side. Like, I can't. Like, I'm going to stay here until I can't. So that happened was when I seen my grandma. So I stood with my grandma the whole week. She's sick. Everyone's coming because everyone knows it. And I finally realized what's going on. But my grandma took me to the side because I just started going crazy. Pulled me to the side. Like, let's say I'm going to pass that week. She looked dead serious me at, dead at me, CJ, and said, I'm going to pass that week. I said, right, I'm going to be with you. So when that happened, we in, the, we in the hospital, you know, uh, I stood with her the whole time. She marks it. Every time she wakes up, she marks it. She marks it. She passed a week. She passed two weeks. I'm like, okay, look, we good. We getting processed. Doctor says nothing really wrong. I passed three weeks. I got to go back to school now. I'm in high school at this time. I'm in Catholic school. You missed three days. You know, you got to talk about it. We're going to kick you out or, you know, stuff like that. So I already missed a few weeks. And we talking about this. I'm like, I'm not leaving. They understood that they they understood but at a time it's like a month now. Like you gotta come back to school, Jose. So and my grandma's like, she's talking, she's doing. It was a Sunday afternoon. Pennsylvania is three hours from where I live at right now. Um in Queens, in Brooklyn, Queens. I came with my uncle 
and a, a close friend of mine's, and we drove. I had to leave. My, they were telling me, you had to leave. You got to go to school. It's Sunday afternoon. I got to go Monday. I looked into my grandma. I said, I'll be right back. Please, I'll be right back. And she looked at me. She said, I'll be fine. I promise you. I kid you not. I get there Sunday night. I get a phone call. Soon I get home by myself that my grandma left me. And it was just like, I seen that girl. I seen a woman that I love so much fight for her life. Every day, don't know what's going to happen the next day. Don't know if she's going to breathe, she don't wake up, nothing. But came wake up every single day and put a smile on my face, her face, and everybody else's face. So that, myself, me, of me, like just how I am and how I personally just feel about everything, I, I told myself I'm never going to complain when I wake up to play basketball. I'm never going to complain about, you know, going to school. Yeah, I might be like, damn, I'm tired, but I would never complain on like, man, I woke up. I had somebody legit physically do something right in my front of my face, knowing that she had time on her life, not time that she's gonna get out the hospital, not time she gonna time that she's gonna stop breathing, that wake up every single day and be fine. So I was just like, you know, I, I'm in that situation that I'm blessed that I'm I'm not in that type of health that I am. Maybe I am gonna get wake up, so I'll be fine. So ever since then, I said, you know what? I'm not complaining about nothing when I wake up. I might be tired, but let's just attack that day. And then she reminds me every single time. And then that's why I'm here. And that's why I play so hard every single time. Because at the end of the day, I seen somebody that I love physically fight for their life. No, I appreciate you sharing that story, man. That was that was very touching and it really paints the picture to, you know, how you approach life having been around you, you know, these last two months. You're you have an infectious personality, you're excited every day, you bring great energy, you do things the right way, and you got great character. And I think you've been rewarded, you know, for that. And not only obviously how you're how you're paid, but you're getting minutes. The city loves you, of New Orleans loves you, the fans love you. And your teammates love you, so I'm, I'm happy to see everything kind of, you know, coming full circle. And obviously, I'm sorry to hear about your, your grandmother and yeah. and what that kind of was like for you uh, to to give you a not a similar story. But I lost my grandfather when I was 14, so I always tell people my grandfather has never seen me in person taller than five six. You know, because when he passed away, I was five foot six, and I was a sophomore in high school, and it was a, it was a, the worst feeling ever, and it kind of shifted my personality and, and how I approach things, how I cherish things, and now I'm more appreciative of of life in general and, and what it means and life experiences. So um, I appreciate you sharing that story. I want to talk about New Orleans, the city. I want to talk about Louisiana. I want to talk about the Pelicans, your path. Go to Georgia Tech, you win Defensive Player of the Year, you decide not to go back to school, you enter the draft, you go undrafted. What's your th thought process once you go undrafted? Like, what was your game plan from there? How did you feel? What was your goal after that? Uh, I knew I was going to go undrafted. I, like, I knew my story, my, my role was going to be different from a lot of other people that, you know, put me, put themselves in their shoes. But the difference about me, like, everyone, like, was telling me or they said what is good about that you accepted that. Like I accepted the fact that I knew I wasn't might not get undrafted. It wouldn't hurt me, or I knew my role was gonna be different from this from to the go to the NBA. You know, I had a chance to go back, like you said, to Georgia Tech. I was really thinking about it. It was the last day that we, I think it was like April seventh that we had to make a decision. I came down to that day. I told I I think I really thought I was gonna go back. I wanted to go back, but I was just like I'm older. Even if I win play, AC play, if I go back and win ACC play of the year, win ACC championship, win ACC defense play of the year, my my status of where I'm going to be at is going to be the same. Just off, like, just being real with myself. 
Cause I like you said, I mean, I'm not six three. I'm not six three wingspan jumping out the gym or nothing. So that happened. Um, when that happened, and then as the process went on, I had I think I had seventeen workouts with seventeen different teams. Sheesh! Break that down for the casual fan because the casual fan doesn't understand. For for comparison's sake, I was a lottery pick in 2013. I did ten workouts. I worked out for the the Kings twice. So I basically had eight workouts. Yeah, I worked out for the Kings twice. Call it nine. He did seventeen workouts in probably what thirty days. Yeah. But basically the whole month, like it was just like I like I like how I approached it was blasting stuff. I was sleep, but it was tiring. Like all those flights. Like my first two workouts was uh Milwaukee and then straight into Memphis, back to back. And then I had one break and then I went to the uh the Knicks, the next workout. I only had six workouts in my schedule. Then I had the NBA G League combine. And you know what really helped me with like expanding me getting more workouts? It was interviews. I was talking, they asked me questions and they just liked how the character was and they said, you know what, we want him in the workout. And the buzz went around as the workout was going. Okay, Jose, this kid could play actually. Let's see what he's about. And it just kept on racking up, racking up. 17 workouts, it was tiring. All that, the worst part about it is the plane rides though. Like all those plane rides, you yeah. just laid back. You you might, you think you taking care of your body and then guess what, it restarts to zero when you get jump on that plane because now you got to rest. Your legs is not as, comfortable as you want and then you got to get off the plane work out and maybe do the same thing maybe 12 hours later so so that was that was pretty crazy but as the workouts went on i'm like cool i know my story listen i'm gonna go i told my agent i don't want you to be real i want you to be real as honest honest with me like every single time i know i'm not gonna be top 10 let's take that out the category i'm not i'm not gonna be like i said let me let me take this let me take first round out the category because i know that's not me second round let's take it let's take it away right now and let's talk about what was going to do undrafted. And as the process went on, the buzz was going around. Asians call, he's calling me, telling me you're doing pretty well and stuff like that. And um, I said, so what's the next step? Like, I didn't know nothing about it. He was like, do I fight for exhibit, like exhibit 10 for the G League? He said, I said, well, is that going to be in my category? He's like, yeah, yeah, I think so. And so let's try to fight for a two-way. And so that, as the team went on all the workouts, I was fine. I was just like, I'm trying to do good for a two-way, two-way, two-way. And as the, as the process went on, I kid you not, uh, CJ, maybe like my 15, 14 workout, I'm like, yo, I think I might get drafted second round. I really think I could get drafted second round because all the name and all, what, what they're telling me and stuff like that. And when draft night happened, you know, I'm looking at a draft. It's cool. I always told everybody in the interview, though, no matter all the teams, listen, if y'all call my name, it's amazing. But if you don't and you give me a chance, you call my name after that draft and call me and say, listen, we're going to put you on a G League or a two-way. I'm going to celebrate like I'm number one. Like, because I just needed an opportunity. That's all I needed. I just tell them I just needed one opportunity. Just give me one, please. And New Orleans, New Orleans gave me that one opportunity. And, I, that, and it shows that's all I needed. Because I, when I got the two-way, he called me. It was, we had the 51 pick. New Orleans had the 51 pick. They called me. I mean, my agent called me and said, you're going to go to New Orleans. They, if they don't trade this pick, they're going to call your name. I said, okay, don't tell them not to call Don Donna to trade the pick. <laughs> they, well, you know, they traded to the Clippers. And, um, but I knew I was going. And they called me. And then I went after the drive. They said, listen, thank you. We love you. You're going to be on a two-way. I said, appreciate you. That's all I needed to hear. Can't wait to see y'all. Now, I told my parents. I cried and everything. Like, I was the number one pick. I told mom, look, and mom and dad. I got opportunity now. Let's run away with it. And then uh, when that happened, I think like this is when I know God is serious. Like God is real for me. 
how can I end up in the right situation at the right time in the right city? Like you told my new, I could like I feel like New Orleans is just me. Like that's in me. Like I can relate to the city. You know, gritty. You know, fighting like like I tell everybody, they fight Mother Nature like a tornado coming, always getting knocked down, but they always come back up. I just feel like that's how my life has always been. No, that's that's deep. That's dope. I'm glad you painted that that full picture for people out there that really don't know your story, right? Like you were grateful and thankful for the opportunity. And I, I had a similar, not a similar path, but a similar circumstance in which I was a, you know, top 10 pick, but I didn't play. I broke my foot the last day of training camp, similar to what, you know, Z is going through right now. I had a fracture and that was my second fracture because I broke my foot my senior year of college. And I just remember thinking when I came back, like, man, I was a lottery pick and I'm not playing. I'm getting DMPs. And I used to think like, man, I just need a chance to play. Just one chance. I don't need much. I just need a chance to play. And I never look back. And I tell people all the time you don't blow an opportunity by not playing you blow it by not being ready when you get a chance and i'm glad you got a chance because a lot of people um they don't work hard or they don't appreciate the little things and you work hard and you appreciate the little things and as the saying goes you're rewarded you know for your work and you were rewarded you know obviously you're getting more minutes now you signed a new contract you're going to be around for a long time you're going to be a big part of the team in the future and the young core and i'm happy to see you know you excelling Talked about New Orleans and how it's similar to your personality, similar to uh, your upbringing, getting knocked down, getting back up. What's the best part about being in the NBA? Best part? Oh, man, that's tough. You know, I take a, I take a picture of my jersey every day of my last name and send it to my parents every single time. Just seeing my last name on that, that NBA jersey. But being part of the NBA, you know, I never thought this and I never knew. Like, these guys show so much love. Like, Everyone in the NBA really like respect like people, like respect like everybody as a player. Like I came in and like you like people say, like, I think Larry Masterly, Larry told me this one day. He's like, This is crazy because you got a voice. It might not sound like it might sound like I'm being, you know, like a a-ho, but you got a voice and you on a two-way. Like, CJ, if I tell you, like, damn, CJ, you missed this. They said sometimes people don't like listen to that, but you do that. But you are like you are all star, like you a big time player. Like for you to accept the fact that I can say something to you and you be okay with it and listen, I feel like that's that's a big time, big time people that the character that I show that on this team at least. You know that's one thing I really like about the situation I'm in. Like Brandon Ingram took me in right away. You know we talked, we we opened up and stuff like that. But like those are guys, like y'all guys. It's okay, y'all big time, y'all are big time players, y'all all stars for us. And for me to think that, like, not say nothing or not crazy, but like to correct, yo, maybe yo, CJ, you seen that, or BI, you seen that, and y'all look at me like, oh yeah, you're right, like, all right, cool. And but then y'all tell me the same thing. I feel like I I respect that a hundred times better because, like you said, like I, I started so slow, but for y'all to accept a two way or undrafted person to hear his voice. It means a lot to me. It made me feel a lot more comfortable to be in the NBA or in this team. Yeah, I think that's that's a credit to our staff, our organization, and also the type of character players that we have. Like B.I. is super laid back, super humble dude, but he's a killer. You know, he's a very good basketball player, but not too cool to be coached, which is really important. Myself, same thing. Like I, I told y'all from day one, I was like, look, I'm not going to say a lot to start because I'm new. I said, I'm feeling y'all out. Y'all feeling me out. Y'all got to kind of figure out what type of person I am, what type of player I am. I said, don't feel like y'all can't coach me. And I said, that's, yeah. from, that's from top to bottom. And I think nine weeks later, you can see that. Like all the things that I say, like I mean, like I don't, I don't 
sugarcoat things. If I feel something, I see something, I say it. And if I feel like y'all need to correct me, I tell y'all, like, correct me. Put me in the film. Show that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. If I'm not taking charges, if I'm not rotating right. And I think that's how you build team camaraderie and team chemistry, which is what we're trying to do to get to the playoffs. And, that, and it also shows me, though, like, if you could do that and you and you this big and you got a bigger role on this team than, than me, then why can I do that? Why can I not sit back and listen and see the coach and tell me what to do? So it's like teaching me a lot, but also learning, obviously learning from you. Cause like that's why I feel like I embrace this NBA uh role that so well because I accept my role. I think that's the biggest thing that people don't understand. People pride get in the way. I think so much of, you know, damn, all Jose wanna do is go in and I mean, listen, I go in the game. And I don't have to score. That's just a plus. I just want to do my part. Pick up full court. It maybe just stir, get a little steals in here there. Obviously, later on, I got comfortable enough to do more stuff. But my role was, I knew my role since since that day one of entering the draft. Jose, I need, to, I need to make something. I need to play defense at the next, next level. Highest level I could be. Pick up full court no matter what. Because I'm probably going to be in the game maybe five minutes. But that's okay with me. Big up full court, make them I and mean, run the offense and don't turn the ball off. And make sure you get the ball, B, I get the ball, and JV. I'll be fine. So that's why I set my role at. But don't get it twisted though. When we go in practice, we can play one on one, we can do all that other stuff. But when people when you play a role at a high level of the game, I think that's what makes a difference for me. That's why I see in myself is just accepting my role at a, a really, really extremely high level. No, it's good that you recognize that at an early age because I think a lot of people get caught up in you know, how they played in college, thinking it's always going to translate. And it's not. There's always opportunities to kind of create and carve out a larger role, but it doesn't always necessarily start off like that. And I think that hurts a lot of people. There's there's 450 players in the league, but they're all unique because there's good fits, there's bad fits, there's guys who deserve to be in the league but aren't because they won't play a role or they can't play a role. So I think that's that's how you build longevity and that'll be really important for your career to where you get another three or four year deal and then another one on top of that. I think the last thing I'll say is that character matters, right? Like people wanted to wanted you to work out with him after they talked to you because they were like, oh, okay, like he's down to earth. He's willing to work hard. He's these things. They didn't know that by watching you play at Georgia Tech. They had to sit in a room and kind of talk to you. And the same thing goes for relationships that you build within your teams. It's one thing to know a player. It's another thing to play with a player, right? Like yeah. once you play with him, you travel with him, you truly get to know what he's about and, and how he is as a player. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Those interviews definitely helped me. I only had six workouts, I swear. Maybe four, if that. It was a Milwaukee... Uh, Memphis and the Knicks. I think it was three, matter of fact. And after the interview from the G League combine, it just shot up. And I was like, yes, this is all I needed. This is this is the one opportunity I just could take advantage of. And then I just got blessed in the situation to end up here. That's dope. You talked about picking up full court. You talked about the defense. I've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter, which we'll get to towards the end of the pod, about how you've been going viral lately. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start doing a thing where you hide in the backcourt and steal the ball? Like, do you do this in pickup? Is this something that you just kind of came up with in the NBA? Were you doing this in college? No, I was doing this in, in middle school, and high school. In middle school, high school, and um, in college. But the thing is, though, and I even, I got, legit, I actually recently saw a video of my college coach and my high school coach doing interviews, and they used to really yell at me for doing it. Like, every time I did it, or even if I did it right and I got it right uh, and I got a steal, they used to say me that that's never going to work on the next level. That's never going to work. And my high school was telling, coach was telling me that it's never going to work in college. Stop. Don't never do that. No, never do it. But I was just like, 
But it works. Like I understand sometimes <laughs> it don't work, but but I, I'm so good at it that when it don't work, I know how to run full speed and get on defense. But it's just something I don't know. Actually, when in AU, it just clicked to my mind. Like it's so crowded. Like everyone is walking around. Imagine what if I just stay in the corner and like no. And what if they don't see me? Let, let's see what happens. <laughs> so like it was just like I blend in with the crowd, and the, you know it's so loud. No one's gonna be like ah. So once he started dribbling, I was like I could get it. I could do this. I expected to do it here though. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna be really honest. I did not expect to do it in the NBA, but when I, I don't even know the first time I did it. But when I did it, I'm like, yo, I could really do this. I think like <laughs> these guys don't pay attention. You know, it's just so hard. Like we in the NBA, everyone like people is like just bringing the ball up, trying to worry about what the what play they're gonna do or what defense we in. I think I could really honestly keep on doing this. And then when I did it, it was just like, man, this really works. Here we go. It's now, I'm a, and that's just, it's fun that cause everybody, you know, my obviously is going viral. It's pretty dope, obviously, but um, uh, it's going to be in this, the scout report eventually. But I tell everybody, you can put it all you want, but you just don't know when it's going to come. Like, right. you just don't know when exactly Jose is going to go back or do it. Like, the guy could be so far. He is in the sky report. He's going to be so, but what if it's a close game, down by five or up by five? He's so focused on what's going to go on or what's on in front of him. He's not going to know Jose is in the corner. <laughs> so, that's yeah. funny. That's funny. I, I got a, a list of questions that I want to make sure that I get to before we wrap up the podcast. I don't know if I told this story before on my podcast, at least, but I almost quit basketball once. Um, I was in high school. My sophomore year, I was supposed to start, and the team decided to bring me off the bench. It was the worst year of my, my high school career. I averaged six points a game, and I contemplated, like, is this for me? Like, I sat down and talked to my mom and my dad. I was like, I don't know if basketball is for me. I was like, I really love it, but, you know, I haven't been rewarded the way I thought I should be rewarded. My freshman year of high school, I played junior varsity, three-quarters junior varsity, two-quarters varsity. I averaged 20 points a game in three-quarters, but I was only 5'2", so I was really small, and... I knew one day I would grow, but my growth spurt was taking forever. But long story short, I almost quit my sophomore year. My mom said, you got to make a decision, son. She's like, I didn't raise any quitters, but you got to figure out how much you really love this game and how much you're willing to apply yourself. She's like, things aren't going to always go your way. My brother said, look, you can be a quitter and go focus on academics or you can get back in the gym and stop making excuses. You just got to figure out what type of path you want to live. And he was like, this game can be very rewarding to you, but you got to be willing to give your full self to it. So I sat down with myself and I figured out, you know, how I wanted to approach my summer. And I said, when you come back this summer, we got to work out every day so I can put my best foot forward and give myself the best chance to play. Because if I don't play, I can't get a scholarship. And if I don't get a scholarship, I can't go to school because my mom and dad can't pay for it. So I worked out at 7 a.m. every morning, 6 a.m. most mornings. We ran the monument and I... I created an alarm clock and I talked about this on a couple of podcasts where it was positive affirmations. It talked about what I was going to do this season. I said, I was going to average 20 points per game. I was going to shoot this from the free throw line, this from three, and I was going to get a division one scholarship. And that was my morning alarm clock every day. Long story short, I didn't quit basketball. I kept playing. I averaged 25 and I started that year and I broke the school record in my first start for points in the game. I say all this to say, was there a point in time in which you didn't think you were going to go to the NBA and that you wanted to quit? Well, thank God you didn't quit, obviously. <laughs> but um, nah, it definitely was uh, you know, I think uh, this game brings a lot of emotions to a lot of people because when you love something so much, you know, sometimes it don't always go right. And um, like you said, you know, you was five two. Obviously, I wasn't that small, but I was pretty small. Um, and I wasn't averaging twenty. Uh, so it was at a time in college. I think it was around my junior and senior year. I was doing well, you know, we was playing well, but it was just more like, it's so many people who's good at this game. Like, 
what makes me different? Like, what, Jose, what makes you different from everybody else? Like, not to downplay myself, and I wasn't saying that no one was so much better than me, or, but, like, what makes you different from, like, everyone else in the NBA? So, so many people trying to get to the NBA. So my senior year, I was just like, man, I got, I got a daughter. I got a, I got a family that I got to feed. I don't, like, is this basketball thing really for me? Like, is it is, is it going to get me far enough to put money in my, my, my pocket and my family pocket or I'm just doing it because I, I'm, it's just for fun right now. So when I, I was looking at my daughter one day and um, I'm just, like you said, you know, somebody, you got to figure it out, you know, what, is, do you really love this game or not? And um, that was one part of my life that I told my coach that I want, I want, like, listen, I'm done. Like it was in mid, mid season. Uh, actually, I missed two free throws um, against Clemson and they won. And I was in down bad. I'm like, yeah, coach, I think this is it. Like, I'm putting so much. I'm people that love me around me. I'm I'm getting mad at them for for a game that, you know, just it's just a game. And is this really for me? Like, is, do you think I'm gonna make it to the NBA? And he used to not tell me yes. He used to not tell me. He's like, I don't know. Like you you don't I don't think you no one knows that. But is it hard? Hell yeah, it's hard to get in there. Um and then when after that I was in the gym for I missed those two free throws. We got back to the campus. I was in the gym till like four o'clock in the morning shooting free throws because I missed. And um, he looked at me and told me like, if you're in this gym at four o'clock in the morning shooting free throws because you're so mad about missing the game, this game is for you. You just got to lock in. And and I was like, he's like, we got the next one. We play Duke at home. I was like, I don't care. But like, we can't win. It doesn't matter if we win or that. I want to win the whole thing. And that's when I won the whole ACC. We didn't lose after that game. So I was like, all right, this is this is this is what I want to do. And even the past, you know, going to the pre-draft and stuff like that, like I said, this path is gonna be different. But you you I seen you come through hard like, you know, break through a lot of stuff and you could break through whatever they said they gonna that you can't do in the NBA. And then uh then I said, I'm gonna lock in. Glad you locked in, brother. <laughs> Otherwise we'd be sitting here doing this podcast and he wouldn't be nah, I wouldn't even know you, you know. So, and he would be know, four like, years, six million dollars richer. <laughs> That's true. That's that's a, that's that's the best part right there. So we talked about a lot of things. We talked about how you grew up. Who were some guys you modeled your game after when you were growing up? My favorite player was Chris Paul. I like what he said. He said, "I hate losing more than I like winning," and that's when I just like. And also, he, when he was actually playing for, for Nola, New Orleans, he was like he just he was a killer. I like the way he went about his whole game and stuff like that. But I really didn't like watch basketball. But that's one person I really like like liked his whole game about. But my like my person I really looked up to, it was my dad. Like the way he worked hard. He worked hard to this day. You know, he waked up he wakes up every day at four o'clock in the morning and put his his uh he he's an electrician, put his hard hat on. He supported a family by himself. So seeing him do that, it made my basketball career, my mind of basketball looking different. Like my dad working so hard, why can't I not work hard for shooting a basketball? Like he working nine to five. I go in the park. I could play, get better, or I could go in the workouts, play a game for like an hour and try to change my people's life. You know, uh, like your mom said, you know, you had to, you know, figure out what you want to do. And looking at my dad wake up every single day and support his family, be tired. You know, sometimes, you know, he he couldn't spend time with us because he had, he had to do overtime and work and stuff like that. So I looked at him as like, all right, this, this is the guy I looked up to. This is the guy I want to, you know, mock my life about no matter what, if it's basketball or not, how he, you know, remained solid, took care of his family when stuff got hard 
And um, that's what I wanted to do, just be like my dad. But then obviously this basketball took me to another whole other level and I get to support, you know, not just my my family, but now I can support my mom and dad. So that was a big part of like who I looked up to. I, I liked basketball, but the one that really put film into my game was my dad. No, that's dope. I appreciate you sharing that. As a New Yorker, what makes a New York Hooper a New York Hooper? Man, talking, talking shit, I guess. Well, excuse my language, but talking. I get I'm a New York Hooper is the one that don't fear nothing. Everyone, like he he don't fear nothing. He just gonna go out there and be him. You know, obviously they got some great hoopers, like big time hoopers from New York. And their games is crazy. Those are those are legendary. You know, Marbury, Lance, like even Lance Stevenson, you know, uh oh well, uh Kenny Anderson, like people that came to my school, at least Georgia Tech, they just had different type of a uh, different type of attitude or, or mojo to the game. Like everyone knew, like, oh, he from New York. Like it's just something about like he oh the way they, how he carries himself or the way his just game. I feel like, you know, that one on one thing, I feel when you do that and then you score. And you don't care. You talk. You talk your smack. I feel like that's how you know you're from New York. Like you just gonna go out there and bring your own little attitude, your own little mojo. No, I agree. I, I played against <laughs> a lot of New York AAU teams, and they be talking crazy. New York Gauchos. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like crazy. I think that's just how it how it is. You know, like you know when you like that's just how you play in the park, though. I mean, I don't know. You don't go ever go now, but when you play in Dykeman, it's one of those <laughs> like those nice environments that you just feel like. All right, let's go at it because everyone's just going to go at each other. Right. Yeah. And that's how the game should be played. Yeah. My, la- my last question before we get into the Twitter questions. Being Puerto Rican, did J.J. Barrea have an influence on you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you know, as I went to, uh, as I kept on going and in this basketball world, J.J., Carlos Arroyo, all those those guys like actually meant something because they, you know, not just I'm from New York, but now it's my, you know, my bloodline down in my whole family, you know, being Puerto Rican, you know, Playing for the playing for that um that country or you know stuff like that. So when he did that, uh, he was just a legend in my book. And and I fr- I, f- I found out how small he was. It was just crazy. I didn't know he was that. I went to him. JJ Little. Yeah, JJ Small. <laughs> and he was a bucket. You know, for him to do all that. And you know the crazy part though, the best part about this, those guys I always looked up to or like seen around and be like, damn, I want to do that one time. You know, I got an opportunity to meet them with this whole process during the NBA, seeing JJ. Um, in the pre-draft, I mean, like, JJ, man, can you, you know, man, here's my number. We could talk about whatever. And he's just giving me knowledge on what I should do, like, pursuing my dream to this NBA. Carlos Royal actually is the Puerto Rico GM. He calls me the other day and told me, let's try to get you in Puerto Rico. So stuff like that, means it means a lot, you know, for hearing from them and stuff like that. So, yeah, they're, they're a big part of the reason why I, I like this game, too. The fans in New Orleans are going to be watching this, first of all, so... <laughs> Is there anything you want to say to the fans in New Orleans, first of all? And then second of all, is there anything you want to tell them about me that they may not know? Well, I just want to say appreciate y'all. Y'all are the best. Y'all show so much love to me. And I, I can't really explain how much I like happy about it. But I love y'all. And something about CJ. CJ, uh... <laughs> People have no, they only know what they see, right? They yeah, only know yeah. what they see on TV. They only know what they see in interviews. They need to really, truly get an understanding of me through you right now. Yeah, yeah. This is your chance. CJ actually is, but y'all see that though. Yeah. CJ likes to dance. CJ is actually an open person, but CJ to me is uh, a great human being outside of basketball. 
Like, uh, not just saying because he's here. Oh, nah, 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 nah. Not just saying because he's here, but he, he, a, he a real understanding dude. Like you said, his, like you, like you said, your story and your path is always different. Like it's not necessarily compared to mine, but you also was little. You know, you you had the effect that people was like, oh, he's too small. He's not gonna be able to make that. Like you, you fought through that. You know, it, it was stuff like he, you fought through most lottery picks. Never did. Like, they just, you know, they was gifted enough to be like, all right, this is going to be a lottery. You, I don't think you was like this one day I'm going to be a lottery, like at, at one point in your life. So you just, you know, you 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 understand everybody rolling. I understand everybody lifestyle is different. So you accept that and you could talk about anything with him. So, and also CJ like to watch film 24-7, if y'all didn't know that. He watched at halftime. Even if he makes a mistake, he's going to watch it. He, he, he just watched film all the time. That's true. You heard it here first. <laughs> I have a quick hitter section. It's like an and or or, right? So and I'll probably actually answer these two because a lot of people are going to watch this. They probably don't know. Favorite TV show? <sighs> you can list a couple. You don't got to give one. Nah, but uh, what's your favorite TV show? I got, I got... I'm watching Power right now. I like Power. I like Snowfall, uh, Ozark, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, my favorite one I used to watch is Martin, though. Martin? Yeah. Game day routine. Take my little nap before, wake up, call my daughter, and say a prayer, and then get right to it. If you didn't play basketball, you would most likely what? <laughs> if I didn't play basketball, I, I'd most likely be... I always wanted to be a barber, but I'm not good at cutting hair, so <laughs> maybe that would not work. You can so. always go to barber school. <laughs> Favorite cereal? Cornflakes. PC or Mac? PC. Library or stuff? Oh, no, Mac, Mac, Mac. I'm sure, 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 sure. Okay, to each his own. Favorite restaurants in New Orleans? Ooh, I'm still learning. I still got a whole bunch of do, you know. What's your, you got anyone? Yeah, I'll answer mine at the end because I got to go to my list. Well, I got to, yeah. I'm still, I haven't got my favorite one yet. Favorite city? I'm going to say home, though. New York, you know, I love uh, the people out there. I love my family and stuff like that. Best place to vacation? I went to, uh, Puerto Rico is probably one of them. Um, I like Miami. I've never been in Puerto Rico. Melo's been telling me I got to come to Puerto Rico. So Melo got a big time core over there. He big time over there. So yeah, they love him over yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, favorite singer? I like Michael Jackson. Favorite I, rapper? I want to say Lil Baby. Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Tom Brady. Most played song right now on your uh, phone? Raw Wave, freestyle. Raw Wave. Okay. All right. I will answer food. I will tell you all the places I've been to so far. You've been, a, you've been in a locker room, actually, asking around. I always ask questions. Yes. I've been to Turkey and Wolf. I've been to N7. Very good. Bearcat Cafe. Very good. I've been there. That's how she is good. Yeah. Very, very good. I've been to Desi Vegas. Steak. Very good. Uh, Revolution. Steakhouse is fire. Yeah? Yeah. You, you will like it. I've had Shia. Uh, Mediterranean food, Bullini Tavern. It's a late night spot you can go to to like one after games. For real? Very good. It's in um, Soft Magazine Street. I need to get that one. Yeah. I've had Miss River and Chimmy Alamer, uh, two French spots. Miss River's in the Four Seasons Hotel. Chimmy uh, is like a French restaurant on the fifth floor of the Four Seasons Hotel. Uh, I've been to Oceana Grill, which is super packed, and that's in the French Quarter. I'm learning. I'm learning you my might, way around, yeah, baby. Look, look at you. you, you I'm home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really from no Ain't no turning back, baby. <laughs> I'm in it to win it. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, rapper I'm listening to right now, I listen to Cole all the time. Uh, I'm listening to a lot of old school lately. 
And that song, eat and eat and eat. Yeah, Ralph 49. Yeah, I've been listening to that. <laughs> to that too. You really culture that, huh? You from Nola, man. I think you from Nola. <laughs> they adopted me, one yeah. of those, man. So I, I, I'm Let, thankful. Can I ask you one question on this, though? You can ask me whatever you want. When you knew, when you, knew you was coming to Nola, what was your mindset? Time to go turn up. I told, I told my... First of all, I, I had a pretty good idea. I was coming here like a while ago when I started seeing the scouts coming to our games. He was sitting courtside. They was watching me and my teammates was like, they're not even going to try to hide it, huh? They're just going to come and sit courtside and just only watch you. And they was watching my pregame workouts. And then, you know, my agent had kind of reached out and was like, yo, I think, um, I think we got some, we got some suitors for you, but we got one that, you know, really likes you. And we started talking about it, but I haven't never really told anybody this, but I knew I had a baby on the way, so I wasn't really trying to move mm. until my baby came. Yeah, so yeah. I wasn't trying to go through the trade process while my wife was still pregnant. So I kind of put everything on hold. I was like, nah, right now. And I started talking to the Trailblazer organization. I was like, you know, I have a baby on the way and stuff. Like, I would like to get through this process first. I know the trade deadline is this day. I think I got some stuff to figure out, but I would like to kind of get through this process respectfully. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to be there for the birth of my child. And I was hurt. I had a collapsed lung, so I couldn't travel or play anyway yeah, so, so no right. one was trading for me during that time uh, fortunately God looked out with the collapsed lung because I, I got to be home for six weeks so um, that was while good, my yeah. wife is pregnant I got to go to every doctor's appointment which was dope but I had an idea like I kind of started watching y'all games on the low so I started watching <laughs> I watched all games on League Pass but I really started watching y'all I actually favorited the team and I added the schedule to my schedule Oh wow! Like in advance, so like I, I, I kind of yeah, like prepared. Yeah, probably prepared yourself to be with us. Huh? I knew who who y'all now we was playing these last twenty six games, and before the trade was done, like I was looking and I was like, Sam, Sam was my agent. I was like, Sam, we got to get this trade done by this day because if we do, I can play against the Miami Heat on this day. And I like kind of looked and I was counting games. And I was like, all right, if I get traded, I'll miss this many games. <laughs> I can get there on this date. But my son's four week appointment was also the night before the Miami Heat game. Oh, okay. So. I was like, I can't fly out until after his four-week appointment. So uh, my mindset was simple. I told my wife, I was like, look, this is a business trip for me. Like, you can come if you want to. But I think for my son and, and you, it's best for y'all to stay here in Oregon because we have everything we need. My chef stayed behind. Obviously, we got nannies, night nurses that can kind of help her because she was transitioning three weeks in postpartum. Yeah. And I knew I was going to be gone. So I was like, I, I feel more comfortable with you staying in our house, staying here and coming to visit once little man is old enough. And she understood what we were trying to accomplish and how uh, we felt like New Orleans could be home for the long run and that's kind of how I envisioned it before I got there and once I got there and got to, to play with y'all I was like I could play here forever and finish my career here to be honest with you wow. so that was my thought process it was like go kill this is your chance to really show people because people know I can hoop but they didn't really like I played alongside such a, a dame was so good you know what I mean I think people kind of forgot how good I was yeah. and now they get to see it every night Nah, for sure. We're glad we had you, boy. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know, but nah, it's actually pretty cool. Like you said, you know, you played against Dane, but then you come in and play against with B.I., J.V., and then eventually, you know, Z going to be involved with it. So like, I just, like, it's crazy how that little lineup, it's going to be dangerous, like, honestly. Like, not just because I'm on the team or anything, but, like, just the like the way it looks is going to be pretty good. And you're just a great fit, though. Like, you know, you know you how you remember you said it's character. Like you didn't come like your character fits what we in in that locker room, right? You know, like it wasn't just like someone coming in and being like, "I, right, I'm that guy." Nah, we knew who we knew how good you was. We knew the trade was gonna happen. It was my first actually trade. It was the craziest thing ever. Like, <laughs> tell them, tell them yeah, what happened. It was crazy. Like, so I'm walking in the gym. I always walk in the gym. You know, loud. You know me, 
laughing, giggling. Everyone's just like looking around like, I'm like, yo, damn, I'm doing, I did something wrong. Like, what's going on? I see Josh Hart coming in out the, uh, out the weight room. He, and you know how Josh Hart, he a little goofy, you know, he always uh, excited. Yeah, always, it's always like something with him. So he comes out of the weight room. He's like, yeah, I just got traded. I'm like, what? You just got traded. Wait, what happened? Like, and I'm, a, we, we knew the rumors was, everybody was just no, we knew rumors, but we didn't know exactly what was going on. And I look at him, I'm like, man, for real? He's like, yeah, you know, but I know, I understand this business. I get it. I love you here. But yeah, I'm out of here. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not, but you know, he accept, he knew it was, it hurt him inside, but he knew what it was and he took it, he, like, he went, the way he went about it was really, really tough. The one that hurt me, like, really bad, it was Nikhil. Seeing him, you know, you know, you be young, after being him, you know, we talk heart to heart and seeing him, you know, the news and seeing him, like, crying, I was like, man, this is how it really is, huh? This how like this, this. It's not about being rude, and it's just really about just being the business of the NBA. It's a sick business, man. Yeah, and you know, it it wasn't like you know terrible. Like it was just like just telling them it. But you know, I, that at that day was like, damn, this is really what's going on. You know, we was like, man, we hope CJ not no no a hole, man. We hope if he comes in, he going and you wasn't, you was good, and you know, it was just a good fit. And then you know, seeing them, seeing Josh Hart. At a uh, Portland game, how like he's happy, you know. We all figured it out. And the kid with Jazz, New Utah Jazz, everybody just figured out it was pretty like cool. But you know, at that moment, for me, my first rookie, you know, like my me and first year in the NBA, being a rookie and seeing that, it's like, yo, this could, you know, this could happen to anybody. You know, you just never know. Never know, man. That's why you got to make your days count. That's what I've been telling y'all is like, make your days count, but never leave on bad terms. Nah, yeah, you know, like, it, like you said, it's a business, so you understand it. But it was just like. Whoa, like I didn't know because you know, like I'm in the NBA. This is my first time. I'm coming in the gym. You know, I know the rumors, it's trade deadline. We knew something was going to happen. We just didn't know when. So I'm coming in and I just see everybody like shocked. I'm like, oh, it's one of those days, man. It's wild. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I've been in the league so long. Normally they push the practice time back. So we practice at 11, they push it to 12. And that's how you know somebody's getting traded. I mean, time, you, you, you've been, like, obviously, been in the league a long time. It ever happened during, like, midseason or, like, always after season? It's at the deadline is when there's the most active movement and yeah. then the draft. Yeah. So I've seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys get traded. Like, that week, I, I knew something was going to happen because I was in conversations yeah, yeah. with my agent. But Rocco called me. And he was like, I just got traded. And I was like, to where? And he was like, the Clippers. I said, who was in a trade? He said, I don't know. I was like, call my agent. I said, yo, Rocco just got traded to the Clippers. He don't know who's in the trade. Call. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was adding the money up and I was like, it's not making sense. And then I found out Norm was in the trade too. And um, that's when I knew that was the domino. That was a big domino. They had this, the, the tab. You see how fast it goes. The yeah, it just goes, goes down. Yeah, yeah. I started getting my stuff ready. I unpack. I started unpacking my locker. I told our equipment manager, I said, yo, start getting the boxes ready. The process is starting. He was like, what do you mean? I said, Eric, I'm about to be out of here soon. Don't say nothing, but I'm about to be gone soon. So I'll start getting boxes ready. I said, and kind of get my shoes and stuff ready to ship. Um, I said, put my stuff in order. I told our, our staff, I said, can you start getting my belongings in order? What I use for games, all that so stuff. You basically like was... Like it was not in a shock. I was proactive yeah. because I understand the business and I also played a role within leaving. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, I mean, you seen when I went back how it was. Like it was all love, but yeah, yeah. I knew that it was coming to an end. And I got to ask you about this because I almost forgot. How was it for you being in Portland? Amazing. You know, like seeing so much, 
Like, obviously, listen, like, I've been watching NBA. I know who you was before coming to the NBA. I knew what you did with Dame. I knew the history, like, all those games, all those buzz beers, all the, like, all those big-time school, um, big-time games that you did, all this, 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 the, what you did for the franchise. And for me to experience that love that you got from Portland, it was, like, probably one of the best moments in the NBA, my NBA right now, because just for, like, like this, this their experience, seeing that energy, seeing what they appreciate, what you did for them for so long with so much love, like and how loud they got and stuff like that. You know, it was pretty, really, like really dope. I can only imagine how you felt, but for me, it's just like, man, this, that's crazy. Like this, all this love for this kid, this guy for what he did, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, Lono will do the same. Well, don't leave, but Lono will do the same <laughs> thing, showing love. But. But also, I also wanted to say one thing about, you know how, like, you said, you know, I got the deal and stuff like that. I'm so, I was so, so shocked on how everyone in the NBA showed me love. Like, you, Zion, Larry called me. Yeah, y'all my teammates, B.I. there, right? But I had Damian Lillard show some love on his, like, like just sending me up saying, congrats, young fella, you, you know, well, well earned. Uh, Kyle Lowry, Pat Bev, uh, Fred Van Fleek, like all those guys, I know who they are. Bef- besides me just being in the NBA, I knew right. who they were. And for them to show me love of my, what I, like, obviously worked my butt off to get a deal, and them for hitting me up to go out their way, it means a lot. Like, that, that's one thing I say about the NBA. Like, they just show so much love up, up to a person that's real. So that's pretty, that was pretty dope about my experience with that deal. NBA family, we appreciate y'all. Much love. We always try to show each other love, so I'm glad that you felt it. And we got to talk about Phil Beckner. Phil Beckner, <laughs> shout out to my guy, Phil. I know Phil. Phil. Work with Phil. Phil, Phil, man. See, I'm going to send you this clip right here. <laughs> Give me a Phil Beckner story on the way out. Oh, my God. So, Phil's a, Phil's a maniac. He's crazy, but a really good dude. But Phil uh, Beckner... Full story, Coach Dame at Weber State is now a trainer, shock guru. I call him Dr. Phil. I've been quoted calling him as Dr. <laughs> Phil. Phil's a great, great basketball mind in terms yes. of training, focusing on shooting, development. Um, he's charted my shots. He's charted how I've missed shots, left, right, short. We get in depth. We're like basketball nerds. He's come come to the house to watch some games. Um, that's my guy. I've trained with him a few times in the summer. I trained with him a few times during the season. He's Dame's guy. He's trains a lot of people. I think the Sixers hired him as a consultant. Yeah. And he's trained a lot of young players in the league, but we're going to give a, a Phil Beckner story. No, Phil, Phil's a good, like Phil actually, like you said, like a basketball mind, amazing. Like he actually sharp, sharp, made me sharpen my game when I was working with, working out with him for pre-draft. But Phil, Phil, if you have any jewelry, you better take it off before you get on that court. Cause he's gonna, he's gonna go crazy. But one story I'll say is that I'm gonna say my start. You know, I like my left hand. I'm a righty. You know, I'm right hand, right hand dominant. And we doing a drill. It's full court. Dribble with your right hand, like strong, and it's going all over the place. You know, like because I'm not left hand. I still working on it. It's going. To, he told one of the workers. It was a, it was a female. He told one of the workers. He, he took my basketball, gave it to her, and said, "Dribble full court, full speed with your left hand." She did it. He said, "If you can't do that, you better get out of my gym." So I, I looked at him. I said, "For like, he he's not laughing. He's serious. He looked dead in my eyes and said, you can't do that. Get out of my gym.' And he gave me the ball again. 
I was so, so like, mine, like, you better not mess this up, Jose. You better not mess this up. And I like, he he just always made me stay on my toes, but he, he he's crazy. <laughs> he's a crazy dude. Shout out to my guy, Dr. Phil. Yeah, I got Phil. one story for you. Phil flew in uh, this summer um, before, before this season. And I was like, yo, Phil, I want to get three days in to work with you. Um, let's get three days in. Let's get morning and night, morning and night, morning and night. But remind you, I'm boxing in the mornings and I'm lifting and doing some PT work. <laughs> and so we did the first work out and he's like all right i was like yeah i'll come back tonight and then the next day he's like yo you sure you want to come in the morning and i said yeah i'm sure he's like well i, th I figured you might want to take a break you know you made a lot of money and stuff and you know, <laughs> <laughs> i figured maybe you want to give your body a break and i was like no phil i came to work and he's like okay i'm just making sure he's like i'm not you never know what type of guy you work with or whatever he's like no i'm just kidding cj but I, tell you that, I say that Phil story because he demands excellence out of you and he wants perfect reps. And he said, if you dribble the ball like this as you go into your shot, you will shoot 50, 40, 90. You will shoot 50, 40, 90. You will have a career year. I am here to tell you, Phil, I am having a career year now that I'm in New Orleans, but it's not 50, 40, 90. <laughs> it's 50, 38, 69. So we got some work to do on these free throws. Nah, yeah, nah. He, but like I said, he he makes you sharpen your game. And I'm definitely probably going to be working while work with him this summer too. So yeah, yeah, shout out to Phil. Shout out to Dr. Phil. We'll make sure we get some work in this summer. In the meantime, we got work to do to get to this plane and this playoff. But I appreciate you, Jose, telling your story, jumping on my podcast, your first podcast. Congrats on your deal. Yeah. Really happy for your success. Pleasure to know you. Pleasure to have met you. Appreciate having me. You know, definitely was fun. You know, hopefully we got another story to talk about. I appreciate everybody tuning and listening to the Pull Up Pod. As always, uh, make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Hit us with a five-star review and tell a friend to tell a friend. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod for fresh content all season long. And as the saying goes, don't forget to pull up. <laughs> <laughs>